Section 75 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 23, verses 34 to 39. Christ's Last Public Words to the Jews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Matthew chapter 23, verses 34 to 39. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets, and wise men, and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel, unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. These verses form the conclusion of our Lord Jesus Christ's address on the subject of the scribes and Pharisees. They are the last words which he ever spoke as a public teacher in the hearing of the people. The characteristic tenderness and compassion of our Lord shine forth in a striking manner at the close of his ministry, Though he left his enemies in unbelief, he shows that he loved and pitied them to the last. We learn in the first place, from these verses, that God often takes great pains with ungodly men. He sent the Jews prophets and wise men and scribes. He gave them repeated warnings. He sent them message after message. He did not allow them to go on sinning without rebuke. They could never say that they were not told when they did wrong. This is the way in which God generally deals with unconverted Christians. He does not cut them off in their sins without a call to repentance. He knocks at the door of their hearts by sickness and afflictions. He assails their consciences by sermons or by the advice of friends. He summons them to consider their ways by opening the grave under their eyes and taking away from them their idols. They often know not what it all means. They are often blind and deaf to all his gracious messages. But they will see his hand at last, though perhaps too late. They will find that God spake once, yea, twice, but they perceived it not. Job chapter 33, verse 14. They will discover that they too, like the Jews, had prophets and wise men and scribes sent to them. There was a voice in every providence, Turn ye, turn ye, why will ye die? Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. We learn in the second place from these verses that God takes notice of the treatment which his messengers and ministers receive, and will one day reckon for it. The Jews, as a nation, had often given the servants of God most shameful usage. They had often dealt with them as enemies, because they told them the truth. Some they had persecuted, and some they had scourged, and some they had even killed. 
They thought, perhaps, that no account would be required of their conduct. But our Lord tells them they were mistaken. There was an eye that saw all their doings. There was a hand that registered all innocent blood they shed, in books of everlasting remembrance. The dying words of Zacharias, who was slain between the temple and the altar, would be found after eight hundred and fifty years not to have fallen to the ground. He said, as he died, The Lord look upon it and require it. Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 22. Footnote. It is remarkable that this Zacharias here spoken of is described in Chronicles as the son of Jehoiada. Our Lord speaks of him as the son of Berechias. This discrepancy has led some to suppose that the Zacharias here spoken of could not be the one who was murdered in the days of Joash, but an entirely different person. But there seems no sufficient reason for this supposition. By far the most satisfactory explanation appears to be that the father of Zacharias had two names. Jehoiada and Berechias. It was not at all uncommon among the Jews to have two names. Matthew was also called Levi, and Jude Thaddeus. And a footnote. Yet a few years, and there would be such an inquisition for blood at Jerusalem as the world had never seen. The holy city would be destroyed. The nation which had murdered so many prophets would itself be wasted by famine, pestilence, and the sword and even those that escaped would be scattered to the four winds, and become, like Cain the murderer, fugitives and vagabonds upon the earth. We all know how literally these sayings were fulfilled. Well might our Lord say, Verily all these things shall come upon this generation. It is good for us all to mark this lesson well. We are too apt to think, Bygones are bygones, and that things which to us are past and done and old will never be raked up again. But we forget that with God, one day is as a thousand years, and that the events of a thousand years ago are as fresh in his sight as the events of this very hour. God requireth that which is past, and above all, God will require an account of the treatment of his saints. The blood of the primitive Christians shed by the Roman emperors, the blood of the Valenses and Albigenses, and the sufferers at the massacre of St. Bartholomew, the blood of the martyrs who were burned at the time of the Reformation, and of those who have been put to death by the Inquisition, all, all will yet be accounted for. It is an old saying that the millstones of God's justice grind slowly, but they grind very fine. The world will yet see that there is a God that judgeth in the earth. Psalm 58, verse 11. Let those who persecute God's people in the present day take heed what they are doing. Let them know that all who injure, or ridicule, or mock, or slander others on account of their religion, commit a great sin. Let them know that Christ takes notice of everyone who persecutes his neighbor because he is better than himself, or because he prays, reads his Bible, and thinks about his soul. He lives who said, He that toucheth you toucheth the apple of my eye, Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8. The judgment day will prove that the king of kings will reckon with all who insult his servants. We learn, in the last place, from these verses, that those who are lost forever are lost through their own fault. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ are very remarkable. He says, 
I would have gathered thy children together, and ye would not. There is something peculiarly deserving of notice in this expression. It throws light on a mysterious subject, and one which is often darkened by human explanations. It shows that Christ has feelings of pity and mercy for many who are not saved, and that the grand secret of man's ruin is his want of will. Impotent as man is by nature, unable to think a good thought of himself, without power to turn himself to faith and calling upon God, he still appears to have a mighty ability to ruin his own soul. Powerless as he is to good, he is still powerful to evil. We say rightly that a man can do nothing of himself, but we must always remember that the seat of impotence is his will. A will to repent and believe no man can give himself, but a will to reject Christ and have his own way, every man possesses by nature, and if not saved at last, that will shall prove to have been his destruction. Ye will not come to me, says Christ, that ye might have life. John chapter 5 verse 40. Let us leave this subject with the comfortable reflection that with Christ nothing is impossible. The hardest heart can be made willing in the day of his power. Grace beyond doubt is irresistible. But never let us forget that the Bible speaks of man as a responsible being, and that it says of some, Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 7 verse 51. Let us understand that the ruin of those who are lost is not because Christ is not willing to save them, nor yet because they wanted to be saved but could not, but because they would not come to Christ. Let the ground we take up be always that of the passage we are now considering. Christ would gather men, but they will not to be gathered. Christ would save men, but they will not to be saved. Let it be a settled principle in our religion that men's salvation, if saved, is holy of God, and that man's ruin, if lost, is holy of himself. The evil that is in us is all our own. The good, if we have any, is all of God. The saved in the next world will give God all the glory. The lost in the next world will find that they have destroyed themselves. Hosea chapter 13 verse 9 End of section 75